Good evening, everyone. I'm just a brief talk tonight, um, and uh, as a basis of it, I'm just uh, starting off uh, with one of the chapters from my, my old teacher's uh, book, Robert Aitken's book, A Zen Wave, Basho's Haiku in Zen. And it's a very instructive book about Zen practice, because uh, Basho, if you don't know him, um, was um, a very well-known um, Zen poet in Japan who lived in the 17th century. And he would be a, like a, a household name in Japan, just like um, Wordsworth perhaps would be in English literature. And, uh, and he wrote many, many uh, haiku. And haiku, as you know, there's often um, 21-syllable um, uh, verses or poems, three, usually three lines. His most, the most famous one being um, Old Pond, frog, frog Jumps in the Sound of Water, which was his awakening experience. Just a little sideline too, because it's an interesting story. Um, there's a story I heard a few months ago called <coughs> the, the Tale of Two Ponds, and it was by a, um, a a colleague of mine, were you at that talk, Pete? Yes, it was a good talk. By a colleague of ours from the um, Buddhism and Psychotherapy organisation I belong to, where she gave a talk on narcissism. And as you know, with the, the story, the Greek myth of Narcissus, he, is, he looked into a, a pond and became so absorbed in his own image that he languished there and died. But the tale of the two ponds is that the Basho um, was sitting by a pond one evening. You know, and this is after years of meditation practice and years of writing poetry and reflecting on life and travelling. He was a traveller, just went travelling, walking everywhere through Japan. So kind of a, a, a hard life, you know, a life of voluntary poverty. And so he's sitting by the pond um, one evening, and a frog jumps in, and he hears just plop, right? And everything fell away, and all of his egocentricity fell away. So it's kind of like the tale of two ponds. One becomes caught up in in, in self-absorption, you know, and then his name um, famously becomes used to describe what we call as narcissism today. And with Basho, there was a breaking through the narcissism into some greater sense of connectedness with life. <clears throat> and uh, one, of the, one of his, uh, again, well-known haiku, which uh, Robert Aiken gives a, a Dharma talk on, it's called Hailstones. And the haiku is, look children, hailstones, let's rush out. Mm -hmm. And what he contrasts this haiku to um, is in Japanese literature there is haiku and there is senryu. And haiku um, is re that really the spirit of Zen and the spirit of compassion and wisdom and innocence and childlikeness. And senryu tends to be um, satirical three-line poetry. <coughs> and he contrasts this about with a senryu um, about a child, which translates... Um, my new mama 
came from the Yoshiwara, so he says. And the background to it is, is that the Yoshiwara is the, um, the red light district of Tokyo. So an adult is, is, you know, seeing this child talking about his new mama and he innocently doesn't know that his new mama is a prostitute. Right? And so Robert Aiken, I think quite correctly, contrasts the haiku basho spirit behind that poem, that, that poem, look children, hailstones, let's rush out. Like he's become one with the children and he's sharing their joy of something amazing that's happening and spontaneously just wants to share that experience with them. But it's a senryu um, about, you know, a, child's, a child innocently saying that his mother's from the red light district is separated from the child. You know, it's like a camera standing back, observing what's happening and it's separate from the child's experience. And it's kind of like laughing at the child almost or mocking the child for its innocence rather than joining in the innocence. And um, that kind of satirical, biting kind of irony is not in the spirit of Zen, you know, because there's a separation between the poet and the child. A haiku poet would never write a haiku about that, 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 that topic. Um, so, <clears throat> what can happen um, in the way that we relate to life is that we can be um, connected to it and there's a sense of intimacy with, with other people and an experience, um, like hailstones and like children, or we can be stepping back, observing it, and in a separate kind of way. And often what goes along with separateness too is judgment. You know, we, we, we're making a judgment about things. And that is not in the spirit of Zen. It doesn't, it's not poetry that expresses the Zen experience. On the other hand though, um, a point that Robert Aiken makes, is that the other extreme of that is where um, people, particularly adults, not children I don't think, but um, uh, adults make um, self-conscious, um, ostentatious, um, uh, buttery kind of statements about love, you know, about loving children or loving this or loving the poor or whatever it might be, and, and that's not it either. Mm -hmm. Um, as he says, you know, buttering everything with love, what it does, it, 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 uh, it draws attention to the person making the statement, you know, but it doesn't, it's not actually a demonstration of real connection or non-separateness with the, with the subject. Mm -hmm. And that can happen, it can happen with people who um, are religious and spiritual, um, or in the sense that we grow up as adults and, and then we learn that we um, should be loving, you know, and we should demonstrate that we're loving. So we end up making self-conscious statements and often statements which are over the top, which demonstrate how loving we must be. Um, but it's kind of like a poor relation. It's not it's kind of the real thing because it's not a connection. And uh, it's the kind of... Um, expression of love that you that you hear in sort of soppy love songs you know pop songs are coming i love you 
and it, and, it, and it really all it does is it draws attention to the person saying it in terms of I must be virtuous because I'm saying this rather than actually being an expression of, of love whereas Haku's poem is an expression of love you know look children hailstones let's rush out you can just imagine him rushing out with them you know to enjoy that experience and it's unself-conscious and when you reflect on it um, I don't I can't recall ever hearing a child um, make an ostentatious statement of love can you it's kind of like they're they're in you can Unless they've been trained to say certain things. Yes, unless they've been trained, and and if they're copying adults, yeah. Yeah. But if we take the age down to maybe two or whatever, (laughs) I don't mean, yeah, some... Even some two-year-olds have been taught. Well, maybe they have, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they may have been, but then it becomes something that they're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than something that's just naturally coming from the heart Mm -hmm. in an unconscious kind of way. but there's another uh, koan in our koan literature which, um, which um, resonates with this point, which I'm, I may have mentioned before. But you know the figure of um, Kanzeon or, or Avalokiteshvara, where um, she, he, um, has many hands and many eyes, and like th- it sort of represents thousands of hands and thousands of eyes. Um, and the symbolism being that all, all those hands are there to help people who are suffering or to witness suffering. And the koan is about um, a monk asks a teacher, cheeky kind of question, um, how is it that Avalokiteshvara can use all those hands and eyes at once? And the teacher replies, it's like reaching for a pillow in the night. Mm-hmm. And what reaching for a pillow in the night is a metaf- metaphorical of is that it's unconscious. The compassion, true compassion, is something that just happens in an unconscious way because it's just a, an expression of our true nature, just like a, a, perf- a, 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 a flower doesn't have to try to give off perfume, it's just what it does. Mm-hmm. And so true compassion arises from that kind of um, innocent basis. Um, before it gets kind of um, conditioned into statements that we're supposed to make so that we look virtuous in some kind of way. So in summary, they're the kind of the two extremes. You know, it's like we, we, we distance ourselves from, from intimacy with life or with other people and we become a, a spectator to it. Or we butter things up sort of with love as an overexpression of emotion. But really the same way of being in the world but that is is uh, to is is to just allow allow that um, connectedness to come forth and to trust and have faith that will come forth rather than going into those two extreme kind of positions. <laughs>